Hello, everybody. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tom. And I'm Kim. And we are three old Reds fans coming to you from Studio 82, just down the street from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville and the birthplace of Bumpus Jones. That's amazing. Yes. Now, so, who is Bumpus, who is Bumpus Jones? Bumpus Jones? Who is Bumpus Jones? His, real, his full name was Charles Leander Bumpus Jones. So Bumpus obviously is a nickname. I don't know where that comes from, but he has a, a, a great distinction in Reds history. Through the first no-hitter in Reds history, and it was his major league debut. Wow. His major league debut. He was 20. It's all downhill after that. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> it truly was. He was 22 years old. It happened on October 15, 1892. It's late. Mm. They played late into the season, into the fall. Uh, he beat the Pirates 7-1. to one. Um, he allowed five base runners in that game. There was an error and some walks, and they got a run. Connie Mack was in the Pirates lineup that day, <laughs> the great Connie Mack. His manager was Charlie Comiskey. Wow. Of uh, White Sox fame. So Bumpus was from Cedarville, and he barnstormed around playing like they did in those days. And they were the Red Legs, right? Probably, or the Red Stockings. I don't know when that all yeah, changed, yeah, yeah. which one of those. But anyway... They signed him after he pitched in relief against the Reds in an exhibition game in Wilmington. So there was this team in Wilmington. I think they were called the Wilmington Clintons. Clinton right? County. Clinton County. Makes sense. Okay. And they signed him for that day to come down and play with him against the Reds. He already had a, apparently a bit of a reputation as a good ball player. So he comes in in the seventh inning, and the Reds had been scoring a lot of runs, and he comes in and shuts them down. And this was on October 12th. So three days. So Charlie Comiskey says, come pitch for us at the end, here at the end of the season. I want to see how it goes. So he goes over there. Three days later, takes the mound against the Pirates and throws a no-hitter. And so the Pirates had never seen him before, so they didn't have video. No, on there him. was no video, <laughs> no scouting reports. <laughs> just this bumpus guy, whoever he is. So he comes in. And that's probably as, almost as early as they started keeping records of the Reds. Yeah, pretty much. It goes a little farther back, but not much. Maybe. Yeah. So this will be the 125th anniversary of his no-hitter. Okay. We'll have to uh, we'll make have to note of that. Make, yeah, we just did. Well, on, in October. <laughs> in October. Oh, in October. In October. When we're, uh, here, Bumpus, in October when we're here doing a podcast because the Reds are in right. the World Series. <laughs> I'm thinking well, it'll be more like a season it. recap. That will be on the Hot Stove League by then, <laughs> yeah. will we? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so Bumpus went on to a two and four career record with a 7.99 ERA. He, he made eight, he pitched in eight games, made seven starts, pitched 41 and two thirds innings. Um, his last start, he went. To, he all his appearances were with the Reds except for his last one. He went to the Giants. They gave him another try. In 1893, the next year, and he got bombed. They've been the New York Giants. New York Giants, yes. And he got bombed in that game, and he never pitched in the majors again. But then he, he pitched in minor league stuff, barnstormed mm. around, still pitched for several years. Um, and apparently lived around here. Uh, he died in Xenia in 1938. Um, now, why was he so good that day, and then the next year not so good? Well, in 1892, the mound – Hadn't been moved back yet. Hmm. So it was about like 50 feet. Is so, that right? Then it got moved back to 60 feet, six inches the next year. Um, and that could have had something to do with it. I think it was his last game. I'm looking at my notes here and trying to make sense of my own notes. How's that for you? Anyway, he walked 10 in that last game mm -hmm. and lost to Cleveland and saw Young. 
He pitched against Sonny <laughs> and got beat. So pretty interesting stuff. So even though he didn't have a great career. No, he's got he, this he interesting connected thing. with a lot of people. Right. And there's, you know, records is what they are from those days. In this, There's an article, there's a pretty good article on Sabre.org that I pulled some information from. And, of course, there's a Wikipedia page and there's other things out there. I haven't done a full deep dive of research on this, but a little bit. Um, his family apparently moved up here out of Virginia, and there's research, genealogical research, indicates that he's related to Pocahontas. <laughs> so the story just keeps getting better. So anyway, so that's Bumpus Jones. So we are here in the birthplace of one Bumpus Jones. So I love it. What a great, what a great piece. Yeah, yeah, really interesting stuff. So are we going to get him now, on the Bumpus cover or, or banner? Of anything we or? might do that. We might, we might have a little picture of him up there somewhere. So. Anyway, how would Bumpus do on our starting rotation today, I wonder? <laughs> Not much. From 50 feet, maybe? From 50 feet, he'd probably be all right. Yeah. How so. would the current staff do from 50 feet? Bronson uh, would be awesome. Maybe <laughs> 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 he, go the opposite field on Bronson. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'd so, like to put a Glacies from Speaking of Bronson, who had, we, we went one and five this week. Who had the best start in the past week? Probably Bronson. Bronson did go. He had a, by definition, a quality start. Yeah. Two, two, runs. Two, two runs. Two runs. Two runs. Right? Only one homer. You got the over-under. Uh, he won. Yeah, we had a little over-under wager going. Not a real wager, just for fun. Yeah, I was. Up two and a half, and you took the over, and I took the under. I didn't know if and, you were talking about the game, the innings, or the batters. <laughs> and I was being serious. Yeah. yeah, the game. Exactly. So, yeah, he, you know, and then we saw him um, on television after the game. He said, hey, I'll. It's the best I've pitched by far. I wasn't missing my spots by six, eight inches. I was missing them by an inch or two. So nine something pitches, right? Yeah, and he said, you know, if I can keep doing that, and then Price said, hey, if he goes out there six innings, two runs, I'll take that every night. Yes, and um, yes. of course you will. Okay, so what pitcher in our staff right now, starters, do you have the most confidence in? Uh, that's really hard. That's isn't a it? hard question to answer. I mean, based on the last start, you'd have to say, well, in, in history and as a major leaguer, maybe it's Bronson. Cause no, he I pitched, just can't do that. But it's bro. hard. To, but it, but who else are you going to pick? I, that's really hard. Uh, maybe yeah. Feldman. Yeah. For me, it's been either Feldman or Adelman. Yeah. That those two have been. I mean, it was Garrett for a while. A but little bit, of, a little bit higher than the other ones. Cons- yeah. As consistently as they. Yeah, as we have. I think we all got high on Garrett, but it ended up only being what two or three games. Uh, Let's hope that hip yeah. inflammation has a lot to do with I it. I hope so too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that whole sending him down, I still think that messed him up. <laughs> yeah, but he was injured. Uh, not when they sent him down. No, not when they sent him yeah, down. That's when they discovered he was injured. So he probably was injured before that. No, I think he, he, he came back, back and made, he, came he came back, back and missed, made oh, two starts that. and didn't tell anybody. He was bothered by it, and then he finally did. You so were in St. Louis. Yeah, you were. You, you should listen to the podcast. I was scouting it for this series. Were you? Okay. All right. At the okay. restaurant, is So you know, certainly Garrett's back, but he's not in early season form. Um, Sunday was the thirtieth start that a red starter failed to surpass five and a third innings. Um, and that's how many losses we have. We're 25 and 30 going into mm. Monday's game and tied for, la- tied for last place with the Pirates, four games behind the Brewers. So we're still within that five-game deal we keep hoping we'll be within. Um, but I'll tell you what, this this week could be could be disastrous. It sure could. So, 
Singrani's almost ready. We should have him back. If it makes us feel any better, there's an article in Sports Illustrated about how bad the starting pitching has decreased over the last five years, mm-hmm. and it's gone. The average starts per per pitcher, or excuse me, the average innings from a start from a pitcher has decreased by over a third in the last five years. A third of an inning. Yeah, by over a third of an inning. Yeah, and that's that's significant. And that's significant. Mm-hmm. So it's happening all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Except for the guys like Kershaw and Dallas Keuchel and. Mm. McCullers and guys like that that are just really, you, really pitching great. But do you remember when they expanded and brought the Marlins in? And who else came in? Rockies. Rockies, and they were talking about all oh, all this is doing is going to water down how good the pitching is in the major leagues. Really, I remember that at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's always a you know that anytime there's expansion in any league, they talk about watering it down and it takes a while to normalize, I guess. But um, it makes sense, you know. And maybe it's just. <laughs> You know, the Reds have really struggled the last couple of years. They certainly aren't helping that league average any. So maybe we're, maybe we're to blame. I mean, the Mets have that, st- that great staff, and yet they're all hurt. Yeah. Um, who else is kind of known for their staff? I mean, the Cubs did. The Cubs staff is not very good this year. No, it's not. It's not. They're, I mean, they're not hitting the ball like they did last year either, but that pitching is certainly yeah. not what it was. So, um, you know, just a little update there, too. Finnegan and Bailey aren't far behind. Homer threw. Three innings and in yep. extended spring on Saturday down in Arizona. Another start this Friday, if I heard. Yeah, correctly. June 9th, He's supposed to have a rehab assignment somewhere, most likely. Wonder when they'll move him up to because like the extended spring training like ends this week. Everybody's packing up and getting out of Arizona. Um, so they don't. They haven't said where it is. So, <clears throat> what about Iglesias? How good has that guy been? Lights out. Yeah. Like Kim, you pointed out, he likes to seem to have somebody on base. Before he really seemed like a, a dials hit, it in a walk or something, and then the other night, uh, a long single off the uh, left field wall. Duvall got it in quickly, but yet his ERA I think is zero point six four, something like that. And and Tom, you pointed out that strikeout of the last batter, a hundred miles per hour, and he just you know with a rawness when a, the Cuban missile would fire it, you could sense it, you could see that he. With Iglesias, maybe it's because of his form and his delivery. It doesn't seem right. like, but boy, he's so he's smooth. deceptive. He's smooth. He is. He one, is. One thing I, I've noticed um, is that he seems to, uh, um, he, he has such good stuff, I guess kind of like Aroldis was, that even if he misses, you know how Bronson, if he misses, <laughs> he gets jacked. Well, but yeah. when you have that good of stuff and you miss, you can still get an out, right, or, or right. a miss. And I think that's what, when you look at the rest of the staff, I just don't see that, that great stuff from any of the other starters. You know, Lorenzen has kind of, he, he can have electric stuff at times. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. And, and yes. Stevenson's supposed to as well, but. Haven't seen that. But haven't, haven't seen it so much, and his location and command has been not what it's supposed to be. So he's back in AAA and trying to work things out. So I guess we'll eventually see what happens with these guys. So. Um, Iggy time is a, is a good time of the game, right? Sometimes it's the eighth inning. Sometimes it's the ninth. I like that he'll bring him in in the eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking outside the box a little bit. The Dodgers do that with Jansen. Mm-hmm. He'll come in, get a, he'll, he, he'll get four or five outs sometimes. Um, so I, that's good to see. I, I like that he's willing to do that. So um, Just a quick reminder before we move on with more stuff that you can – uh, hear our podcast on pod, on the Podbean app or website, uh, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio app, 
We're on all kinds of other podcast apps. Uh, we've got we're on Twitter and Facebook, um, uh, YouTube, Tumblr, Pinterest, all those places. So send us some feedback on some of those channels if you'd like. Uh, tell us what you think about the DH. You know, this is what not it means about to, the DH. What it means to bat two seventy, uh, Shebler mania, anything else? <laughs> just uh, just uh, let us know what you think, and yeah, we'd appreciate that. So. We're going to move on to our throwback player of the week. Two weeks ago, um, Kim talked about Mike Lum from the mid-'70s, played on the 76 World Championship team. And then I talked about Gary Reedus from the early-'80s last week. And so now Tom, is uh, it's his turn, and uh, he won't tell us who it is. I think he's going to make us guess. And this, will, this won't be really hard to figure out, but one of the reasons he's, he's a favorite of mine is because he's a hometown boy. He went oh. to Withrow High School in Cincinnati. Okay. Um, he never used batting gloves, um, no matter what the weather was. Always oh. used bare hands. Switch okay. hitter, which you always got to love a switch hitter. And this is what may give it away for you guys. He was the guy that took over for Joe Morgan at second base. Um, you guys have a guess? Number 16. Ronnie Oster. Ronnie Oster. One of my favorite guys, just a quiet guy, performer. Um, played for 10 years with the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is a Reds Hall of Fame. Yeah, he member. should be. He should be. He was a solid, solid player. Uh, nothing you could complain about with that guy. He um, wasn't an All Star, but he was never an All Star. He won he won a ring, World Series championship ring in 1990, mm-hmm. but he didn't play second base. Did you guys remember that? Who was playing second base? In Mariano Duncan. Mariano Duncan came in and took his job, um, but he was one of the best pinch hitters in the league that year. Was he? Wow. Um, his best year was, I believe, 1985 when he he hit 295. Yeah, that was Pete's first year back. 1985, they, he hit they, 295. That was the beginning of the, what, five years in a row of finishing second or whatever it was mm. under Pete and Marge. And Marge. <laughs> I also, um, I read named, a, named the field, baseball field at Withrow High School, Ronnie Oster Field. Really? Really. So That's kinda, He was a, uh, even though he was a switch hitter, he was definitely known for hitting more so left-handed than right-handed. Yeah. Very I, few home runs. Never yeah. hit more than 10, 11 home runs. You ever hear these announcers say, boy, he hit that on a rope? I was actually at a game at Riverfront where he hit, I was sitting behind home plate. He hit a rope, and it hit that right field wall. One bounce to the right fielder, and it was not even close to a double. It was definitely a single. Hmm. But he hit it on a line drive. He was kind of a tall for a second baseman, yes, too, he was. especially coming yes, in after he Joe was. Morgan. We played a lot of shortstop early on, too, not with so much with the Reds, but high school, I'm sure, in the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah So that's great. my throwback guy. Great. Had, had the curly hair. Yeah. yeah. Mike Lum, Gary Reedus, Ron Oster. Some good names from the past. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So we appreciate Ronnie Oster. Appreciate those guys. So what do we appreciate most about this season? Name one thing, Ken. What's one thing about this team you appreciate? I'm going to say the apparent manifestation of the influence of Joey Votto. And what do I mean by that? I don't know. Tell us. The choke up. <laughs> the batter's choking up. Now, Brandon Phillips would never do that. Brandon would always have the, and he'd have that bat going up yeah, and he's down. He's swinging for the and hills. He's free like swinging and falling on one knee. But you see Suarez doing that. You see Hamilton doing that. I don't think we've seen Duvall doing that. I think even even uh, Jeff's beloved Shebs has choked up a little bit. Oh, he might. And it just... He probably doesn't need to. I'd love to see that. That's and, kind and of a... Tom and I have, when we've texted, 
we love watching Joey hit. As we've said before, he brings out the science in hitting. And I just love seeing the positive influence. We've seen Hamilton now last, yeah, last year, the last six weeks before he got injured, how well Hamilton was playing. And you see them in the dugout right next to one another. And you would see Billy talking, talking, yeah. talking, and Joey listening and saying something here and there. And so I, I know it's not so much a, a person like one of you may say, but I think the influence of a well, leader like Votto. Well, that's 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 Joey. That's all. That's everything, Joey. So that's a good. That's good. What about I, you, Tom? What's something else? Well, just on top of that, just to add a little bit, I, I love to, if somebody's choking up. I love that it becomes kind of a team game that they're just trying to put the ball in play in certain Amen. situations, mm-hmm. rather than. It, I think sometimes it's hard for these guys to change what they're doing, yeah. right? Well, yeah. I heard I heard Larusa on TV today talking about uh, Albert Pujols. Of course, he's in the news right now. He just hit a 600th home run, yeah. and he said Albert has Albert all his life has played that way, always, always looking at where the fielders are. What's the situation? Do I do I hit behind the guy? Is this the time to try to hit one out? All those different kinds of things, and he said Albert was always that kind of player. He's a great competitor, and, and that's the way that's those Cardinals always won. Team guy, there. competitor, yeah. right? Yeah. So, well, one thing I've really liked this year, and I think we would all say, hasn't it been more fun to watch these this team this year than than, than last year? Yeah. Yes. And they may end up with a similar record, but I think it's more fun mainly because this team hits the ball and mm-hmm. scores runs. Yeah. And they've been hitting with runners in scoring position, probably. Is seemingly double what they've hit in the past two years. Yeah, right. So that two through six lineup has been really solid. Yeah, and, and yeah. really, really good. And so I think that's been fun. To oh, watch. sure. And Cozart is a big part of that. And that's, you know, I've always liked Cozart. Um, thought he was always a really solid. You know, he's always been a really good defensive shortstop, um, and just seemed like a guy that should be hitting better than he was. And yeah. he's. You know, there's a little more Joey Votto influence probably somewhere along the line. Um, mm-hmm. Just calming down, wait, learning to hit, being patient, doing some things differently than you used to do, and figuring it out. It'd be interesting to know what clicked with him because last year before he got hurt, he was hitting great. Yeah. Right. So yes. really, last year is when it clicked with him. Well, it yes. beca- you know, you gotta, you gotta be coachable, and you gotta be willing to listen and. And when you come out of high school or college and you get these nice contracts when you're high draft picks and you get to the majors and, you know, you know, if you're just making the minimum, you're making a half a million dollars a year, you know, it's not (laughs) – and that's – for these guys, that's like, wow, that feel you feel like a millionaire all of a sudden, even if you're not. So just getting coachable and things and maybe just took some time for him to to get – feel that way. Um, And it also proves that – you know, we can't just look at a guy sometimes after a couple of years and just decide he's never going to be any more than he is. Well, I, we've talked about that, Pete Rose, saying before. Why is it these guys, when they when they keep getting pitched that outside pitch and they keep pounding into the dirt, why don't they change? Why don't they change? Yeah. Why don't they change? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys like Cozart do. Right. right. Well, you know, some guys, you know, we watch other sports and, you know, you, you watch a basketball game and you realize some guys just – get it more than other guys on the floor some guys mm-hmm. see the floor better mm-hmm. some guys just are more have more iq and i think it's harder to see iq in baseball maybe than some other sports yeah, could be. and um and but uh, probably how you handle what you do in the batter's box is probably a big part of that iq so um i mean i think uh hamilton's progress has been huge mm-hmm. um you know he's not i still think i i was thinking going this year it might be time to go a different direction 
But what I've seen this year, I'm like, you know, and, and with what Cozart's done, in two years from now, this guy might be hitting closer to 300. Hmm. You know, it could happen. Well, I mean, it could two, happen. 250, you're getting on base every game. Well, yeah. And if your on base is higher than that. Yeah, and it is. He's, his on base is improved yes. in 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 relation to his batting average as well. Yes. It's 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 higher. It's a it's a wider spread. I don't know exactly what it is at this time, but I know it's over 300, so. If we could just get into that magical 270, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And we mentioned Iglesias a little bit ago. There's another guy I sort of had on the list of things we really appreciate this year. So we'll kind of pass on that for now, but and we talked about sort of that middle of the lineup, the 3 through 6 guys. You mentioned 2 through 6 cuz that's Cozart really feels like he's more part of that middle of the lineup than being at the top sometimes. Um, and what about what about Price? What do you what do you think the job of Brian Price this year? Well, Marty Brenneman, I just retweeted him saying that he was doing a miraculous job with the team with the starters that they have this year. Yeah, and I would have to agree with that. Um, being able to how many they've hit twenty first pitcher started or pitched the other night for the Reds mm-hmm. twenty one or twenty two something like that. I mean that's. For a, a coach to have to manage all that and figure out who's pitching when and up and down between AAA, I think he's done a fantastic job. Right. You can't just sit here like last night or yesterday and go, oh, Garrett, get him out of there. It's the third inning sometimes. I mean, yeah, you'd like to, but there's so much more that goes into, well, let's just take him out and put somebody in. Mm-hmm. You know, how rested are people? Who, who do I have available? We just had an extra inning game. There's all those things that you have to think about. Um, I think he's done a pretty good job with managing the bullpen. With and, the cards he's been dealt. Yeah. 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 And I like I like that he'll bring Iglesias in before the eighth or before the ninth. Um, if he has to. He's done that. He hasn't done it as much lately. He did a little more early on. Well, even more than pitching to me, uh, last year when Hamilton started out slow, he put him in a nine hole yeah. for a long time. Uh, he wasn't afraid to move guys around. And, you know, he just, you know, you're not doing the job. He would make changes. And y'all laughed at me before a while back when I said I'm still convinced if we'd have had him in 2012, they'd have beat the Giants in that series. Mm-hmm. He would have taken Ryan Ludwig out. Okay, let's move on. Geek stat of the week. Last week we talked about BABIP, right? Batting average of balls in play. I love these, by the way. Bring yeah. it on. You do? All right. So now XFIP. There's FIP and there's XFIP. It seems like with every stat they come up, there becomes an X or a plus <laughs> at the end of it because somebody likes to go change it. And then somebody else has added something else because there's another stat StatCast keeps now that has to do with hard-hit balls and getting the barrel of the bat on the ball, and I'm not even going to get into that. But So it's a little different from FIP, which is based on the actual number of home runs. XFIP that takes the league average to remove sort of the randomness of year-to-year. So the average typically is 9 to 10% of giving up home runs. So that's what the difference between the two is, but you're still like, well, what in the world am I you talking about anyway? So really? the purpose of this stat is to estimate the pitcher's expected run prevention independent of the performance of their defense. So it's just it's supposed to say it's the pitcher only. When we look at this number, and that tells us how good the pitcher really is. So our pitchers would be even worse if the Reds' defense wasn't so great. Yeah. And it takes that out of the equation. If you can imagine them being worse, yes. So their FIP would show worse. Well, we're going to look at some here, and we'll see how that works out. So it's not – they say it's not a complete accounting of a pitcher, but it's generally considered a better gauge because the ERA because it strips out defense, luck, and sequencing. 
All right. Is that luck? What is Thanks. sequencing? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. That's what it says. Well, probably, I mean, well, the order in which things happen, I, somehow, I don't really know. So, anyway, FIP has proven to be a better predictor of future ERA than past ERA, they say. Um, it's based on outcomes that don't involve defense. So, instead of, instead, it's based on strikeouts, walks, hit by pitches, fly balls allowed. And there's a real complicated long formula that I don't understand. It's got parentheses in it and letters and numbers combined, and I never did good in algebra. So in symbols. In symbols, <laughs> and you know, I don't. They, I just have to take their word for it because I don't. I'm not a mathematician. So give us some for people. So here, okay. Well, I've got some numbers here. So it approximates your ERA, assuming average outcomes of balls in play and the league average home run per fly ball ratio. Okay, whatever. All right, so. Dallas Keuchel of the Astros. We all know how good he is yeah, right now. Amazing. He's leading the major leagues with a 167 ERA, but his XFIP is 277, which is fourth best. So I don't, you know, take that for what it is. Chris Sale of the Red Sox has the eighth best ERA of 277, but his 245 XFIP is a major league best. So according to what I'm reading here, that means that going forward. Sale should be a better pitcher. So maybe with ERA, Keuchel's benefited from good better little, defense. Better defense, maybe a little luck. I mean, they're scoring tons of runs for him. He doesn't have to. He's not pitching close in close games very much because they're averaging like eight runs a game right now over the last ten games. So and that makes that makes sense then. Sure. Um, for the Red starters, I don't know if I want to hear. This. You want to hear these numbers? If two forty five is the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, Feldman. Feldman's ERA right now is 4.52, and his XFIP is 4.26. So he actually projects mm. a little better going forward. Wow. Adelman's is 5.14 ERA. His XFIP is 4.74. So he projects a little better going forward. Um, Garrett's ERA is six. Well, actually, I don't know. That's higher than that. You know what? I did these stats yesterday, and I didn't update them with yesterday's game, so it's really higher. But going into yesterday. His ERA was six. It's probably over seven now. His XFIP was 4.82, but his FIP was 6.35. So remember the difference between the X and the non-X is that it's one's a the the regular FIP is the home runs you give up, and the X is the average for the league. Well, Garrett gives up a lot of home runs lately, and we know who else gives up a lot of home runs, and that's yeah. Arroyo. Okay, what's Arroyo? Arroyo's ERA is 6.24. His XFIP is 559, predicting if he pitches, gives up league average now to home runs, which he did the other day, giving up one, which is more like a league average, it's 559. So maybe he'll start pitching better. But his FIP, when you include the home runs he's given up, is 7.01 because he's given up so many home so runs. So I hope after they do these stats, they track them over the years and see if they actually meant anything. Yeah, they do. They do. They, well, yeah, they, they can apply these numbers to – the past hundred years right. of baseball, right. and they do. And then they've done that. Right. They've done all that kind of stuff. You can huh. see, you can look up these new stats on the guys who pitched a long time ago. If as long as there's as long as there's stats that they could they, they measured then. Some predictive analytics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's predictive. So when you see a pitcher with his ERA and his XFIP, if his XFIP is lower, that means well, maybe he's gonna maybe he has a chance to be better down the road because. This is a supposedly a better predictor of future events, kind of like the stock market, you know, so or not. So anyway, 
interesting. Are you it's more confused? Are you more to, confused? It's hard for me to pull away from the ERA. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and it's hard for me to. Okay, we have a pitcher with an ERA of X, and we have a defense behind him who is first in the league, middle of the pack, last in the league, and from there I can put together the pitcher, the composite, yeah, of you, if he's likely to do well or not, and throw in luck. He's been pitching lights out four games in a row. The law of averages is due to catch up with him. The yeah. exception of that is, what was it, Ron Guidry the one year was 25-3. and three. Yeah. Steve Carlton, one of his Cy Young years, was 27-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and what about the luck of the draw as far as what teams you start against? I mean, you can miss it when the Cardinals come in town and end up pitching against yeah. the Phillies. Yeah, you got to pitch, the, the, pitch against the Astros, but not the Padres or whoever's or, or the Cubs right now, who are like 13th in the league in hitting. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, there's a, all kinds of things that, you know, there's all kinds of things where these things even out over time. So, as I said earlier, we got all these new stats, and you can look at all of them, and you can look at the old traditional stats, and a lot of times things kind of line up anyway a little bit. And you're like, either way, I realize these are the better players than these guys no matter what stats I look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're more for, uh, really they're more for the people who really are into it mm-hmm. and want to look at things and compare them and average them out and see how they all work together and for the, the organizations themselves, the teams, that when, when you're looking and scouting and trying to predict things. And is this guy, there's, enough, there's stats out there they use to say, is okay, here's Scott Shevler's hit 16 home runs. And there's some stats, some of these sabermetrics they look at, to figure out is that sustainable power for him based on some things or has he just gotten a little bit lucky has he just been playing in small parks hitting if he's has he been facing some weak pitching when he's hit those home runs it's good that you brought him into the mix yeah you know, you know that's, it's true it's true it could be true so is his power sustainable and they can look at that and they try to figure that stuff out so anyway so we'll figure out so last we did a pitching one so i did our batting one i did a pitching one this week we'll probably Try to alternate back and forth. So, <laughs> all right. Looking ahead. Fortunately, Billy's in the lineup tonight after the shoulder thing on Saturday. Uh, Shebler hitting the cage today. Um, supposed to be uh, supposed to be back. Uh, hopefully tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That, that they're they're hoping for. Um, but it brings up a point. You know, there's a when these guys got hurt. Of course, we started thinking who might come up. Yeah, Winker. Winker. So here's Jesse Winker. Leading the International League in batting average, 321, and on-base percentage at 399 going into today, which is Monday. And so, you know, here's this guy. And he can't – He can't. there's no spot for him. The other guys have performed too well to take out of the lineup. Um, he's doing it at AAA, which, you know – Okay, I'd like to say – How – how The most insignificant <laughs> – I'm not just to be a sizerism. Okay. The most insignificant stats in baseball – or what you did in AAA. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. No, but Winker this, might be good trade. This material. could be the argument to bring the DH to the NL. Well, it's, and you could have Winker as a DH. I got, there we go. I got all kinds of arguments. <laughs> I got lots of arguments. You do. You so, do. anyway. So. Bumpus would have none of it. Bump, we, no. we, get, we get Hunter Green. You're going to have him not hit for himself? Well, well you, you don't have to use the DH. All right, you're right. That's true. You don't. You don't have to use the DH. And with Mike Lorenzen, you may not. Well, enough guys got hurt. <laughs> enough guys were hurt. So Mike Leake, there's another guy who hits well. Very good hitter. Yeah, he does. There's always been there's always been a few good hitters around. You know, there's Don Gullet. 
Yeah, I just well, believe he's a great athlete. Lorenz is a great athlete. I mean, Galt was like a great high school football player. I still just will be a traditionalist and say you need to play all facets of the game right. if you're going to play. All right, all right. Well, you can be old and set in your ways. We'll let you do that. So, um, so trade deadline will be here before we know it. Shortstops aren't usually in high demand. No. Okay, unless there's an injury. Is there anybody in contention now that needs a shortstop? No. Not if you're in contention, league. you got a good shortstop. Yeah. Usually. You know, so somebody's got to get hurt. So, I, I mean, the Braves lost their second baseman. That's why Brandon Phillips got traded. Or we'd still have Brandon Phillips, probably. Can Kozar play second? Um, well, I'm sure he could. So, I mean, maybe if, if a shortstop or a second baseman need I'm sure he could. Curse. So, I mean, thing is, we could lose this guy for nothing. Okay? Because... Yeah. He's got to want to be a free agent. And this I mean, is last year of his contract, yeah. say that. So you, yeah, it is. So you know he, he, he's he got to want to be a free agent. He's going to want to test it. After this, after, after now, this year, double that right, he's at 5.3. He can double that or more. Um, so the qualifying offer this year, do you guys know what the qualifying offer? Do you guys know what that is? No. They changed it in the collective bargaining a few years ago. They changed it so that um, – when you because uh, you used to use, lose a free agent, you got nothing for it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they put in there those um, picks, compensa- compensation compensatory. picks, compensatory picks. Well, you have to the Reds would have to make a qualifying offer for Cozart to get a pick. So let's say, and the, and the qualifying offer is determined on the average salary of the, the top 125 players in Major League Baseball. So this year it's going to be like 18 million. So the Reds would have to offer Cozart eighteen million. Now, whether he takes it or not, if he takes it and stays with the Reds, then the Reds are like, okay, well, we'll keep you. But I don't know that the Reds are going to want to take the chance and spend eighteen million when they can move Peraza over and bring up other guys, and they're still trying to build. Mm-hmm. They'd probably rather use that money on, on a pitching, pitcher, right. on a pitcher, right? Or shortstop. Yeah, and then Hunter Green. Hunter Green. <laughs> yeah, oh, which will, who will cost a fortune. To, well, whoever you draft number two is going to cost a fortune. Um, so the only way they get compensation is if they make that offer. And it would, what it would be is if, let's say, the whoever signed Cozart, they would get that team's top pick, mm-hmm. except the top ten, outside of the top ten, the top ten, tick, top ten picks are protected. You can't get in the top ten. So that's how that works. And so, you know, move Praza short, put the money toward pitching is kind of what – I think is probably what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, do we have anybody making over eighteen million besides Jerry Vada? Um, Homer Bailey. Oh yeah. Um, the somebody, guy that's not around, so I don't think one about. or two other guys are close to that. Um, I looked at the salaries earlier today, but I don't remember everything off the top of my head. Um, so, what about what about a guy like Winker or one of our other corner outfielders? Do you think? What, what do you think what could happen there? Do you think there's any chance the Reds would trade one of those guys for um, a starting pitcher? I feel like to be a contender, you've got to have a guy that just shuts the door. You know, you got to have a number one. Well, you do, you do. And do I don't. We, do we have anybody in our pipeline that looks like that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Don't that, think so. I don't know that you can get one for a for a Winker or a Shebler or a Duvall. Well, you'd have to do a combination. Well, yeah, you'd have to trade one of those guys. Uh, you know, if you packaged one of those with with uh, with, with Cozart and something else, and 
you know, a, a Lorenzen out of the bullpen or something like that, you might get a really good starter, but that's it's, you're going to have to pay for it. Well, the reason I bring that up, though, who in our pipeline is going to be that guy in the future? Well, I, I don't know. We don't have that person. <laughs> we don't know. And so you better trade for it or you're not going to. You don't really know until well, they get there. Have we been doing that the past couple of years? And when you picked up John Lamb, gone. You picked up Cody Reed, eh. Picked up Finnegan, eh. Who knows? You know, you've been picking up these pitchers in, in hopes that they would be the starters that would blossom, and we haven't seen that. Just, they just don't seem to have the stuff of a number one. Well, look at, look at the Reds' history of the Reds. I mean, we've never had a Cy Young Award winner. Um, so it's just kind of what we've had. We've had a lot of good pitchers, yeah. but we've never had – and we've had guys that could – could. I mean, Mario Soto was that guy, but they he played on a bunch of bad teams. Yeah, very bad. You yeah. know, <laughs> so uh, Rio a little bit at times. You Rio, know, uh, Danny Rio Jackson a had a great year. Jack Browning had a couple good years. Billingham had a couple good Gullet, years. Gullet helped us get If he just stayed with Cincinnati, he could have been it. Yeah. Well, he so, was it in 75. I mean, he could have been our uh, Cy Young. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Good chance. Tom Browning. Yeah. Danny Jackson would have had it if it wasn't for Hershiser. Yeah, they had, they had the same record, and then Hershiser's ERA was a little bit better, and Hershiser had the big scoreless end. Scoreless, broke Drysdale's record and won the, won the Cy Young. So so this week, is this going to be better than 1-5? and five? Boy, I sure hope so, but look, judging by the competition we're playing, I'm not so sure. Two, two and five maybe this week because we play seven games. Yeah, four with St. Louis and then head for the coast um, to go play the Dodgers over the weekend. We're going to so. win more than two games? You know, the Cardinals lineup, if you look at their lineup, at least the game tonight, the starters, their hitters, generally 350-something or whatever. They got one. How do you pronounce his last name? Like the Euro sandwich? You know, Jorko. Jorko. Jed Jorko. He's hitting over 300. Everyone else in their lineup tonight starting below 300. Right. And some of them, 213, 240-something. Uh, Fowler leading off 222. And I'm glad Matt Adams isn't with him. He, Of course, he had killed us this weekend anyway, like he normally did with St. Louis. But So maybe maybe we can split with this uh, St. Louis franchise. This, uh, I think you have to say where we are right now. Split is a is a win for us. A victory, right, yeah. right. You know, they got a, they're four games out. And if we're going to stay within that five-game deal we talked about by the All-Star break, you got to keep splitting with people and hoping nobody else um, uh, gets really good. So, you know, we'll just have to see what happens with that. So, um, Well, are any of us going to back up, back down on our – we all said they were going to be within five at the All-Star break. I don't There's know. no sense of backing down. I'm not going to back said. down on it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, you mentioned last week, Tom, that – it seems like we we're going good, and we have that one and nine stretch. Well, tell you what, if they if they get swept in this series, it'll be that one and nine stretch, and I think you kiss it goodbye. You're right. You're so, right. We're being kind of negative here, Jeff. We are. Just so we're being realistic. Being realistic. I think we're being realistic. Yeah. Not, yeah. But you know. Okay. What was our trivia question last week? Who caught Tom Seaver's no hitter? In 1978. Yeah, if I didn't hear you say it, I would have guessed a bunch of other people. Is that what we said, 1978? Yeah. The year that also saw Pete Rose hit three homers in a game. And 44 Pete straight Rose game. Pete Rose, 44-game hitting streak. Some good things happened. That I mean, day. I would have guessed, like, Van Gorder or... Um, well, everyone goes to... Their first reaction is Johnny Bench, and they said, well, if you're asking that question, then we know it's not Johnny Bench. Yeah. So who could it be? Yeah. And you start thinking of catchers, and then you're like... 
you'll say a catcher from like 1990 and, and Joe Oliver. Joe Oliver, no, yeah. it wasn't him. Bo Diaz, no, it wasn't him. He was later, you know. So the and so answer. If you knew the Reds back then, you would say, okay, Bill Plummer. He was gone by then, right? Well, uh, yeah, Plummer yeah, yeah I think he was, answer, but yeah. Plummer would have been a, a logical thought. Yeah. All right, Tim, give us the answer. A gentleman by the name of Don Werner caught the no-hitter. That's a name I hadn't thought of in a long time. Yeah. No, no, well. And and it, uh, d didn't uh, Dan Dreesen catch the ball at first and then go over and after for the no-hitter? I think Is it was. Right? A, I think it was an out at first. It was a put out at first in yeah. the game. Yeah. And Dan Dreesen caught it, and ran over and hugged Seaver. Yeah. That's what I remember from the TV clip. I think so. I think so. So, do you have a question for this week? 1975 series. Uh -huh. Let's, you know, our fans are, our listeners are very intelligent listeners. Remember the, the famous, did Ed Armbrister, the batter, interfere with Carlton Fisk? Which game was that? Five or six? I think it, no, it wasn't six. I think it was, is either game four or game five. I'm going to say game five. Yeah, I don't think it was game four because I was at game four and I remember seeing it on TV. Who was the umpire of that game? Now, we three have texted about it and Jeff got it right. Tom, I don't know if you remember. But who was the umpire who came, especially from Boston's uh, fan base, under a lot of criticism for not calling batter interference on Ed Armbrister. And then what was the result of the play? He, did he bunt? Bunt? Uh, uh, yeah, he bunted. But, and, and then Fisk went out to get the ball. I think threw it to second. Did he throw it to second and threw it in the outfield? Okay, yeah. and the run scored. Yeah, and the run scored. Obviously the runner would like advance. Yeah. And then Armbrister was safe on base. Yeah. All right, and he didn't call. He didn't call batter interference. No, he, he sort did of, not. He sort of like started to go, and then he stepped back, and then he went again, and it was like, oh, they were looked like they were dancing, and yep, and yep, it just didn't didn't there. go very well. So, so okay. who's the name of that? I know that's a little more difficult, but to our fan base who are uh, more like us old red fans, you may remember that one. <laughs> I guess his name to be Blue. So that's what I called all. Uh, is this what you called umpires? <laughs> Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anything else? You want to get off your chest about well, these guys? Well, I'm going to be on the road uh, for the next 10 days. Uh, actually, I'm going to be um, a night or two in Billings, Montana. Oh, you going to go to the game? The Rookie League Reds. Uh, it's not on the agenda. we got a lot of uh, <laughs> hiking and kayaking and whitewater rafting we're going to be doing. you got to get a hat, though, or something. But if there is an opportunity to... You know what? We're a little bit tired tonight. Let's do something else. I may have to go down and see the the rookie league team and see if we can't find Tom's number one for yeah, the future. Would you find that? Find us our number one. You know, I, you know, you guys. Well, Jeff would definitely know better. The Daytona Tortugas always seem to have a a guy who's pitched six innings and only given up two hits or something yeah, like that. So yeah. maybe there's a guy in Daytona. Maybe so. Okay, is that and the guy from Dayton yesterday was there. There was a, a matchup yesterday between Dayton and whoever they played. It was the top two pitchers in the low A league. Okay. Well, okay, is that more insignificant than triple A stats? Well, yeah. Yeah, if you can't do it, just because you can do it there doesn't mean you can do it in triple A. <laughs> it's not like New York where you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. So it's, uh, 
Um, Tyler Molly's been really good in Double A. Question about him, and he looked good in Dayton too. Uh, he's been really the best pitcher in the Red System this year so far. Um, the things I've heard about him is how good is how good and nasty is his stuff. It's not necessarily doesn't feel like big league shutdown stuff. Um, but we've seen guys that have been successful in the majors that didn't have nasty stuff. You don't, you know, because Maddox. If yeah, Maddox if you a great location. If you if everybody had nasty great stuff, then we wouldn't ever talk about it because it'd all be the same. So it's those guys that do, and not all of them. Not all of they, them. They also said was that, that was that was that deep oh, oh, that, was that <laughs> profound. profound. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just if, like, if Bumpus would have had great stuff, if right? If Bumpus would have had great stuff. If he had a different first name. If he had two no-hitters. <laughs> That's great insight from Charles. 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 Jay Leander. Walker. Bumpus Jones. Probably had coffee at Beans one day. He probably did. He probably did. At the bank. At the I'm, sure at the bank. He, I'm sure he's walked right down this same sidewalk and around that corner that we do. So... He probably went to school in my house, which, <laughs> which apparently was a schoolhouse at one time. Studio 82? Studio 82. Wow. Yeah. It's the tension room. All right. Well, let's call it a night. I think what we always close with is go Reds. Go Reds. So go Reds. from the, uh, the home of uh, Bumpus Jones, we invite you to join us next time. We'll be here, win or lose, pitching or no pitching. Go Reds. <laughs>